0: Hi everybody, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making we keep hidden and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations, wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well by providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are in your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up featured ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. Good morning, everybody. Today I'd like to welcome our guest speaker, Mr. Brian Baird. Brian is coming to us right now from up in New York. Brian, you there?
1: I'm totally here and happy to be here.
0: Well, thanks so much everybody. Brian and I know each other again through our Women's Prosperity Network and Brian is one of the unique men that is part of the WPN. Um, we'll have to get at the story about how he did that because typically it is a closed women's organization that is open to very special men. So we'll we'll get to that, Brian. Um, But I'd like to just kind of give everybody an introduction of Brian, where he's coming from, and so that you know who my friend here is. Brian Barrett is the creator of Million Dollar Feeling, the positive living community, where people quickly learn to illuminate the beauty of their lives through their authentic story. Million Dollar Feeling is where you flip the script, own your story, change the world, whatever that means to you, whether you are the next Elon Musk or the best parent in the world. Anywhere in between, it is a place to be. Brian is a speaker, author, media host, social justice warrior, environmentalist, and his favorite role, father, the best dad. I've known Brian through meeting him at Women's Prosperity Network. We've actually been on his podcast. We've talked. He's one of the most positive guys that I've met in recent years, and I'm just so glad you could be our guest here today, Brian.
1: And I'm so glad you had me here. He actually, I think things like rolling up to the door today, we both had some technical issues too, so it was kind of nice how the universe allows everything to work out in its own way.
0: Absolutely, and and it's a a lesson for me in being flexible and breathing through the challenges because everybody, my computer crashed and I got it fixed and I got it home last night. I was so excited. I plugged it in and it just went round and round and round. I had Tim on last week uh, after the show and he was telling me what to do and all of a sudden I got this blue screen of death and he goes, nope, that's a Best Buy. (laughs) Take it in. Um, And so some things are a little frustrating, but you know what, that's life. And Brian, as I was reading some of the things that you do and looking at what I said in my intro, there's so many things that are just congruent in our mission right now about Standing up and speaking up and, and flipping the script telling your own story um, can you tell us a little bit about you and, and how you got to this place
1: oh gosh um, do we we need four or five shows for that there we go so uh, <clears throat> just in short um, my my life in uh, <clears throat> to where I am today started when I was uh, obviously started from the time I was born however <clears throat> I was a I'm a forty eight year entrepreneur as of August of twenty twenty. I started my first business when I was twelve years old. Um, largely because I didn't come from a family that had um, a lot of means and I had this eye on a ten bicycle. Back then ten speed bicycles were the rage and I didn't want the hundred dollar one. I needed the five hundred dollar one. Like I'm just and back then five hundred dollars on a bicycle was a lot of money. <coughs> so, um so I bought a lawnmower in a garage sale that needed repair. I repaired it, and I had my whole business up and running for like five bucks, including gas. And I became a lawn cutter for the summer, and not only did I buy the bicycle that year, I had money left over. So it gave me a real uh, taste for the power of money in an environment where I came from very little, little means. And it was a driving force for me in many ways for much, much of my life because I <clears throat> in my journey Without going into too much detail, because I don't want to bring down the audiences, I had a father who was prone to fits of rage at almost random uh, places, and, and I was often his target because I was there. So, um, so by, um, And he wasn't quite in my life when I was doing this business venture development as I was going on. With. All of my life has been about developing my image and having an external focus of who I am. Um, and teaching other people to view my external focus and not really pay attention to anything that was inside of me. I didn't have that compass uh, for the, much of my life in, in many ways. So um, along the way, I've made, and I'll use the word spent, millions. Um, the uh, I, I was married for 24 years, just getting divorced about the time you and I met um uh, First time, Deb, three years ago, I was uh, knee-deep in a divorce. Mm-hmm. And um, I was already on a path to evolution. Uh, one of the reasons why I was at WPN, which you just mentioned, was the uh, I was in, changing to a state of receiving and developing that inside that I was saying was so lacking. Um, it was already much more advanced than I would like to t- you, know, you know, give credit to. But being part of WPN and other aspects of the journey that came from being uh, uh, you know, involved in um, WPN really changed um, the energy that I use into a set of self-serving, a model of serving to the, to the world. My entire framing right now for the rest of my years on the planet is to raise the bar on humanity in terms of love, just, uh, self the power, being able to live in truth and trust in such um, powerful ways that we actually have um, an authentic body of humanity as opposed to all of these things like my personal story was living an inauthentic version of myself in order to present my image and not really having the authentic version of myself inside and now I live in a harmony between because if you're doing media work need to be like present in the and curating an image to a degree bring in with me the inside of who I am instead of pushing that to the side it didn't exist
0: well, it's interesting. As you say that, I'm thinking, you know, my whole mission is was the woman behind the smile. And we can actually just say here, you were the man behind the smile because you put up that image of what you thought people wanted you to be. And inside wasn't congruent with the outside.
1: Right. And so that begets a huge challenge that I've noticed in when you really get right down to it. So many of us, when we're unhappy, it's because we're not living. And I'm, don't, I'm not blaming people for this. Sometimes it's about awareness and other things, but we're we're very often not living our full authentic story. And um, it's always a work in progress. There's always going to be voices and noises and songs and other attributes from other people's experiences that keep imposing themselves on us. It starts when we're very young and our parents imprint us with their stories, and it could very well be family heritage that's imprinted on us. It could be all kinds of things that really don't belong to us yet we're taught this is what's relevant and important. And we're very unhappy. How many people have you ever met who were told, you're going to be a doctor, yet their passion was cars? <clears throat> and and then they became a doctor and they're miserable. Um, so, And it doesn't mean they weren't serving the world or doing great things. They just weren't doing what they were passionate about. They weren't living who they really were. So <clears throat> it was in my own personal journey I really discovered this whole idea of the influence of other voices overriding our true voice, our true story, our authentic selves. And once we become aware, then we can affect change.
0: Well, it was interesting. I had that conversation with one of my boys this weekend uh, about finding jobs. And, and I hear you know, our fathers and our, what, and our you know, mothers saying, why don't you try this? Do that. You'd be good at this. And I, I was watching the boys and, and one of them was just saying, uh, you know, that's not me. I don't want to do that. And I pulled him aside and said, you know what, I don't care if you're the, the pizza guy or the janitor or the president of a company. I said, the goal is to be happy in you what you're doing and do it your very, very best. Be the best one that you can be. And don't worry about expectations of other people. But I find even our 20-somethings, you know, they've got the parental expectations that have – and we've, I've done it. I've put it on my kids, you know, not, not necessarily knowingly, but over time um, they've heard what we find valuable, and they're like, well, that's not me. i like, then find you. It's hard for those 20-somethings. And then, then you've got others. I've got another one that says, uh, you know, I wake up one morning and I look at Facebook and, he's, and he's, I thought he was home and I was in Tennessee. And the next thing, next thing I see is like, well, I woke up in Houston. I'm like, what? What are you doing? And so there's the other side of the story where the kids are just, you know, doing what they feel like doing, just picking up and going and thinking, I, part of me is like, you go for it. How fun is that? And then the other side is like, well, how are you paying for it? You know? So how do we find our passion in our authentic story? How do we find our real selves and kind of put those voices outside of us?
1: Well, a lot of it is paying attention to the things that are hurting us. We don't always, uh, and, I'll, and this is part of my own personal journey, is, is because of my, you know, my father, who I mentioned before, I was very good at bottling up um, grief. hmm now that's just one example of many things that are lessons in my own personal life and certainly lessons we all probably get exposed to and um, for all intents and purposes I call it sweeping grief under the carpet and so whenever there was something that came along whether it was a relationship issue a death in the family or some other thing that could be a vector of grief in my life I just was very good about picking up the carpet sweeping it under the carpet and bucking up and going on Mm -hmm. so however the grief kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and louder until actually it became life-threatening. I won't go into the details, but it turned into a health event. Mm -hmm. And the health event was directly related to holding on to grief. And once I embraced it, dealt with it, owned it, and then released it, I was able to step back into a more authentic version of who I, I am rather than um, holding on to this story of grief that was buried inside that I wasn't dealing with. So from my experience, is whatever is going on that makes you unhappy, that's a pointer to the lesson. And it's in the lesson where we get to release those trapped emotions or perhaps beliefs that don't serve us and, <clears throat> or both and then reestablish groundwork or ground in who we are, the true version. And I believe who we are, we're born with. It's always changed by our parents' stories and Incidents that happen in our life, whether they're forms of abuse or, um, <clears throat> or just um, maybe uh, an overbearing parent, you know, like a stage mom or a stage dad or something like that, where they're determining how your future is supposed to be, and you don't get your voice. We look at I look at teenage rebellion as a form of p- children learning to search, seek their personal stories. Mm-hmm. Um, like your son showing up in Houston, I think he's establishing his true story by just showing up someplace randomly and experiencing it um and so there's so much we can do to just naturally seek out our true stories but most important is pay attention to those things that are hurting us
0: so how a lot of people try to do this on their own you know they've done something or their life they feel like their life isn't as whole as it should be and they start hiding from other people and they don't want to tell their stories so they're not going to get help What was the best way for you? Was it through a friend or through a a relationship or a therapist? How did you get through that?
1: Well, it started with a couple of things. Um, Being when you curate your own image for most of your lifetime, um, you, you tend not to have mentors or advisors. You tend to go like, I can do it on my own. I don't need to let anybody know I don't know what's going on. I'll figure it out. So, once you're, so when you're busy curating your image, you're also busy masking yourself from um, all kinds of things, including advice. Or, so <clears throat> it turns out, i have heard the phrase for many, many years, and you actually so, uh, mentioned a version of that phrase early part of your show here, is that a smart person learns from their lessons. A wise person learns from the lessons of others. Mm-hmm. And that finally registered. Believe it or not, when you and I met, in October of 2017 that phrase finally registered with me it's and it's not that i wasn't always learning it wasn't that i wasn't always developing it wasn't that i was not transforming but once that phrase sunk in my transformation was rapid and i've learned because i then engaged people as i'll say sometimes coaches i worked with somebody who is a hypnotherapist and a neuro-linguistic practitioner who's got a phd in that mechanics or modality Um, and I actually went and studied with her so that I could use those same modalities to serve myself and others. And it actually transformed every aspect of how I serve the world because now I look at the idea that once we can put somebody on the path to their true story and they learn how to do some of those things for themselves, then they can become um, spreaders of this infectious positivity that will make the rest of the world a better place. My, pers- my personal goal before I leave this planet is to make sure that uh, through me directly and those people I affect who affect others, billions of people.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen because the world is getting smaller as we speak with us all online and interconnected. Uh, you've got to be careful because obviously you can connect with bad people. But the the influence we can have especially with positive thinking. and I mean, I, I get told all the time I'm Pollyanna and that I always look for the best in things. And I'm thinking, you know what? It's better than the opposite. It's better than looking at the negative all the time. Your life would just be so sad. And for me, it's it's like, oh, my gosh. You know, find something positive. The sun is shining. Or my flowers are happy. I, uh, I was thinking the other day, I think I wrote a story about this the other day. It, was, it started pouring down rain in Florida. And I like the sun but I was thinking, okay, someone, especially in Texas, at the time was thinking, oh, water, rain, flood, destruction. And, and I was thinking, wow, my flowers are really happy right now because they're getting this lovely shower. you know. So it's all about changing your mind and experiencing the, the hurts because that's part of life, but turning the story around and finding some good out of that pain. So you're in so, your, so to your point
1: to oh, your point the, the the challenge being is that because most of these things have an emotional construct the neg the non-positive emotions have a, a um, they have a way, they have a way of kind of taking hold on us and keeping us stuck i often use this this kind of thought is that there is two kinds of that which keeps us in place and that which propels us forward and um it's sometimes very much easier to stay in place because that's like the devil we know and we have to be um, open to that kind of change to move forward yet even when we know we want to change we don't always have the tool set to release those emotions that have been creating this either stuckness or moving forward type thing and you can move forward in a little bits and still go to a new stage of stuck if you don't have these tools to help you release those emotions <clears throat> so the core of what I do, which is why I added, uh, I was always a neurolinguistic practitioner, so to speak, because I used it in my sales world for many years. I just got more mastery of it, and then I added hypnosis as another modality for those people who are open to it. And in all aspects of what this is about, is when you release those, when you learn those lessons and release those emotions, you've now released a story that's not yours. Because the authentic version of you is not the depression. The authentic version of you is the joyful loving powerful version of you
0: and and you know people are going to say well how do i how do i do that how do i let that go how can i move on where do i get the courage
1: well um if you recognize that you're unhappy seek somebody uh that um will embrace the stories you've been hearing and understand how you can release them and then Also teach you how you can do that on your own it's not I don't believe based on my own journey that you can uh, that it's and I've met a lot of brilliant people I believe you could figure it all out for yourself what I don't believe is that you can do your lesson learning all by yourself when it comes to deep deep uh, trapped emotions mm-hmm. that the, the muscles, you've been carrying around these emotions for 20 years and it's creating a an affectation of you that may be yo-yo dieting or you're you're always seeking relationships that are abusive, or and 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 we use that phrase as if it's your fault. And and I people, I actually just had a meeting yesterday with somebody I said who is completely beating herself up based on the fact that she never eats the right foods and constantly is with her her body image and weight issues. And I said it's not your fault. You're just holding. You've got a story there that hasn't been released, and that. You're medicating against that story, so the the, the help get from others will find the pathway so that you don't need to meditate and you can live your authentic story or you can develop the path to your authentic
0: and when you said that to her, what was her reaction?
1: She got teary. um and the and the reason being is the first time she was given not to feel guilty
0: mm. well guilt tough, is one of the it... most, most Guilt. I'm, I'm having a hard time but... hearing you now, Brian. Is that your your microphone? Or are you getting I mean, a cold? <laughs>
1: change. Let's change change up here. So, guilt is go. one of the the most damaging emotions. The uh, it's uh, it it it's traps so much more easily than so many other emotions and i believe depression and guilt often go hand in hand.
0: Well, and i found that in with the women that we serve here and you know what i went through myself, you feel so guilty about getting duped by someone or being, you know, manipulated by someone and then losing a lot of money, you're just like, oh my gosh, how ridiculously stupid was that? And then i realized that, you know what? We're really smart people that just something happened. But it's sometimes very difficult because other people are telling you how ridiculous it was or how stupid you were for doing that, that you you get stuck in that place and you can't get around your feet. You know, you can't move.
1: Right, right. So from that perspective, using some of the stories that are in the universe that you're supporting, um, <clears throat> but if we have this, and human beings do this, I've been there myself, where we have this tendency to fill the holes in our life with things that are kind of medicines, whether it's shopping or um, gambling or possibly chemical-based with alcohol or drugs, or, for that matter, latching onto relationships to fill those holes that we have not properly fill. And it's that journey from having other people's stories to our own authentic story. We get to release all of those things that are um, making it so that we are compelled to medicate and the and I, I use this term medication" very, very strongly because it's, I think it's exactly what everybody does when we when you see somebody going into an, another relationship over and over and over again they're seeking somebody to fill a hole um, and not realizing that's their, that that's a story that they've been given that they can't be alone, they can't take care of themselves it's not they, It's not that they are at fault for all that it's just that's the story living and probably where are through parental impressions or generational impressions that, um, that, that create um, these voices that really aren't even ours. And feeling guilty, usually we don't feel guilty ourselves. It's other voices that make us feel guilty.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: as you point out, so if somebody's been affected by uh, one of these, uh, I'm going to call them criminal romances, it's very often because that person was very good at exploiting that whole, they're they're the ones who are the, the guilty parties they're the criminals of this whole process and when we are victims it's just a pointer to another lesson that will allow us if we learn the lesson and we lean in on that and go forward it allows us to become stronger and more true and more authentic and more powerful in a loving sense and a trusting sense and actually, start attracting those things in our life that really are relevant and meaningful for our happiness and joy and, and uh, peace and calm, and even passion and clarity.
0: It's interesting that you talk about the whole. Uh, after I, after my situation, and I, like you, had done a lot of personal. Ex- um, I'd gotten involved with WPN, and I found uh, sisterhood and people to talk to, and I wasn't alone all the time. But I. I spend some time with Marty Ward. And Marty's a friend of ours who does, she's a therapist, social work, and that kind of thing. And Marty sat me down and really dug deep. And she said, Deb, she said, you have a hole, you had a hole in you. If you look at your, yourself as a piece of Swiss cheese, and you know the big holes in Swiss cheese, you had a big hole in you that felt like you weren't listened to. I've been married almost 26 years. It's a very bright, very bold guy. And even though I'd been very um, experienced and trained myself, I felt a little bit smaller, and physically I was, but uh, mentally and intellectually a little bit smaller than Lou all those years. And so because I didn't like contention, and there were times when there could have been contention, I just, like you said, swept things under the carpet, and I just felt, I just Remove myself from situations where there might be conflict, and so inside there was that big hole of I wasn't listened to. And when I got after he passed away, and I started my online re- relationship, it was obviously online, not in person. It became an, a vehicle for me to express how I felt. I could write it. I didn't, you know, we didn't talk a lot, but I did a lot of writing, and he would write back, and he would listen. And so for two years, he listened and he filled up that hole in me. And even though, you know, it fell apart and then, you know, I got scammed of, of all that money, that hole was filled and it changed me from the inside out. It was amazing. And when Marty told me that, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I never would have seen that without her. So... We can't do this. Well, and as plan. you know,
1: as you alluded, you pointed out, we
0: are you there? Oh, I think we lost Brian. He went by. Oh, he's got to come back for that one, everybody, because I want I want to hear that. But I I do want you all to know that that hole that was in me that got filled up when I realized what had happened and that he had manipulated that hole in so many ways, and I've heard this from so many women, that... Um, Brian, are you back? I don't know hey. if you can hear me. I... Well, I, oh, We dropped you. You were trying to yeah. tell me about my hole and what <coughs> I, I had just identified. I was
1: of us have worked, Marty was one of my original coaches. There you go. And um, we both have common ground when there's like sort of an amplified lesson learning period. And, and I, I took... <clears throat> the, my journey with Marty, I just have expanded on with a whole uh, additional set of tools and, 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 and added some simplicity to it in many ways too. So, that the, um, <clears throat> so when I'm working with people, whether it's in a group or a one-to-one uh, modality, we're giving them framing that is uh, really based on four legs or four pillars of which I think we're born with. We're born with love. We're born with trust, we're born with truth, and we're born with personal power. And in those four things during the course of our life, we end up having um, things that will shift those things uh, around. That's where the holes come from. Mm-hmm. Because we're born already whole, or maybe maybe we're even conceived whole. Uh, I'll even uh, say that much. But there are things that have impacts on these, these whole values, these, these core values which could be abuse. It could be um, just uh, implanting of all kinds of limiting beliefs. It could be uh, it could be other experiential factors that actually could give us uh, forms of fear or a uh, sense of abandonment or betrayal or self-worth issues and a host of other things that could be trapped inside of us that we carry with us into um, our forward-moving years. And in our teenage years, we um, often rebel in order to, break away and establish more of who we are. Sometimes we're not equipped with those tools that allow us to do that properly, which is why you see some people do things that are not so positive when they're doing those. And not everybody rebels. My daughter wasn't one of those children. Um, and um, uh, um, the, um, <clears throat> getting into our 20s, that's when we really start to experiment with our lives. And we think we have mastery when we're in our 20s. Yet those stories that were given to us along the way are still there much of the time. And the biggest challenge is really finding out who we are authentically and even knowing that that needs to be done. Because there's so many people, you and I both know a lot of people who are highly reactive and very much unaware of the patterns that they keep stepping on. They just keep trying to figure it out over and over and over again without really much time for contemplation and awareness. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I think in today's world we get so busy uh, and we don't like to, to deal with our feelings. I remember going back to Marty a little bit um, when she really pressed me on how I felt about things. I mm-hmm. can only get down about one level, and she goes, "Come on, you know." And I would, she goes, "You're really good at scooting out of your feelings. You just don't want to talk about them." And I, and oh, maybe yeah. I didn't. It was uncomfortable because <clears> I didn't want to recognize that you know cer- certain things weren't exactly the way as I. I put up the mask to prove that they were, you know that. And right. but once I was able to do that, and it it took time and it took real um, perseverance on her part to say, "Come on, how did you really feel?" Well, I know how did you really feel? And and it was it was tough, but once I did get some of that out, then I could recognize how I treated or how I. Dealt with my kids or my relationship with with Lou or, or those kinds of things and and my family and and you know we're people pleasers were but I needed security and then I realized how my scammer had manipulated those things that I needed for comfort and for security and you know he just he wrapped himself around all those and that's why I felt so secure in the relationship and when that fell apart it was really, a, it was a tough thing because it just exposed all those things again. And that's when you hide, and, and that's, that's dangerous. That's the depression, that's the, you know, isolation. And uh, boy, you add that to COVID and everybody being at home alone, it's a tough situation right there, right out there right now. And so how has your, um, your work changed with the atmosphere of today? Because you used to do a lot of traveling, you'd go out a lot. So how, how are you working with yeah. clients now?
1: I do a lot more speaking on the road. Um now I of course use my radio show uh more earnestly because that's the, the safest platform for helping shape everybody's experience. Um and um <clears throat> I um I myself uh, have even felt like this I'm you know the, I think we all have a sense of deprivation because human contact is so essential, even for those of us who consider ourselves uh, more on the quiet or uh, refrained or perhaps even loner behavior, where we can just self-isolate with not much difficulty. We don't realize until things like um, the separation that. Uh, and I don't know, you guys are in, in Florida, so they're maybe Texas, maybe even a little bit different, uh, just because of the way uh, people are you know, rebelling against uh, distancing and masks. And I'm from New York, and and in New York, we've been pretty s- strong adherence to this distancing and mask thing. And the side, you know, and and the the positive side effect is is that we've got this virus, I guess, in check. I don't want to say it's under control; it's in check of sorts, and we're in a pretty good spot, even though the numbers kind of climb a little bit recently. However, I think uh, there's not a person I talk to that hasn't said, "I miss giving people hugs. I miss shaking hands. I miss sitting across the table and breaking bread with somebody." And so we are all beginning to. Um, to one, take steps in the direction of finding a safe way to do those things, and the flip side of that is is that um, there are things that can be done with ourselves to strengthen ourselves. Even though um, it really is very important to have relationships with others, I think relationships are the essence of everything. Um, the um, we can have a great relationship with ourselves and learn how to do that better during these times of quiet that have been, in some ways, thrust upon us.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there are things you can do too, where you can reach out. I've had a guest that said, reach out and just write to people that you knew in the past. Establish because everybody loves to get something in the mail. You know, it's a mm-hmm. little bit different than an email. Um, call somebody. That's up. beautiful. That's beautiful. It, well, it's nice because it gets you to sit down and quietly think about what you want to say to them, and it's very <coughs> deliberate. Right. Uh, but it is tough because I mean I, I'm around a lot of people all the time, and not you know when I. When I say I'm around a lot of people, I've got family and things that we we do get to see each other. But we're very careful. My parents are older. I'm very careful uh, how I'm out and about because I certainly don't want to take anything over to my mom and dad. Um, but traveling to see the kids, too, it was interesting traveling between Florida and Tennessee and the levels of awareness, I guess, uh, as we move into different areas from between cities and, and rural, um, how... Th- People treat this, um, but everybody that I talk to feels that effect of not having a hug. You know, you right. put the, the elbow bump or the fist bump or something. It's not the same. And Charla last week talked about <coughs> candy bar hugs, and just being able to have that human contact that is lacking, and that's tough. Um, One of my
1: old partners uh, actually. Um, Uh, fosters the notion and I've been practicing it with some degree of comfort and success and that is we can hug ourselves and Mm -hmm. it actually turns out to be a stretching exercise at the same time when you kind of fold your arms around you and kind of just pull that stretching does some amazing things for releasing tension in our body and the flip side of it is that it it does allow for a personalized form of what we call an oxytocin release it's the oxytocin that's part of the chemistry of what makes us feel good about touch And, um, so self hugging, if everybody would just do that, um, I can encourage everybody just to take the moment right now and just grab onto yourself and give yourself a hug as if you're the most important person in the world, which is just amazing at many levels just to think about. And, um, and then also, um, in the process of getting that, what we'll call oxytocin release, we also have an opportunity to just be in touch with ourselves. You, and this is, as you point out, this was an opportunity for us to think about how we, can, um, to, um, how we can reach out to others in a more quiet, contemplative way and things like that. I also think it's a good opportunity for us to be getting in touch with ourselves in a quiet, contemplative way. It's the volume of things that have been happening in our lives. and COVID has helped, in some ways, provide a forum for us to uh sort of stop and pause and look at what's going on and maybe you know, maybe even stop and smell the roses is the right phrase mm-hmm. um as, as we get out of the other things like facebook could become the new medication because now we're feeling lonely we'll pile into facebook and uh, and spend it on what you know on the free time we could be using for personal uh, development we could be you know putting that into um Temporary things that happen on Facebook and so on, or not even might get up in a political argument, and you know not having the opportunity to actually reach inside and look at who we are and, and reveal that true story of who we are, which is always there, and it just needs to be released to the world.
0: I think we've got to be really careful with how much time we spend on social media. And that is one thing about going away for a couple of days. We were able to unplug a little bit. And honestly, when my computer went down, I'm thinking, okay, this might be a good thing. Just walk away for a little bit. Uh, Although I had the show on my mind. I had things on my mind. I did have my laptop, but I limited it. Because when you're around other people, you know, don't – I always told my kids this. I said, when you go on a date, put your phone in your pocket. Do not – to have your phone out when you're on a date and my husband and I make sure we do that uh, if we go out for a dinner like put it away unplug spend time looking at the person you're with eye-to-eye eye. you know try to relate to them from the inside out and you can only do that by spending quality time but like you say and I love this I said you have to get to know yourself first
1: yeah if we don't understand ourselves if we don't know our true story then other people aren't gonna be able to see it either. And it's very important that we get to know ourselves so that we are, it's not like a presentation now. We just shine who we really are. We no longer need to present ourselves. We can just be in such a way that, and we become more attractive that way too. We attract the right people. We attract the right experiences. We attract the right um, uh, emotional uh, steps for us to move forward. Uh, it's not to say that life doesn't do things that uh, or pre- present us new opportunities to learn. It's just that we end up becoming so much more open to those that moving forward. We end up becoming more joyful in receiving the lessons because we just know every one of those things is going to make us higher and stronger and better and more loving, more caring, and more connected. Uh, and it's all about the relationships.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just reading the title of, of what I put here for you. It says, How Our True Story Can Make Us Smile. <laughs> And even with a with a mask on, people can see you smiling because it's in your eyes absolutely and and we really need to to focus on that is you know make ourselves smile in spite of being grumpy because you have a mask on you know that's the only thing people can see on your face right at this point is, are your eyes and what are they what are they telling people and uh, i'm looking at a picture of your daughter and she's got a beautiful smile and beautiful eyes. Um, and you two, you've got, you got happy eyes. We're going to talk about happy eyes. But when we first started talking this morning, I told you that I had done a little bit of research on you, and you had done a relationship workshop with Adam Bricker and Sarah and, and Annette. Can you kind of tell people how, how have you transitioned into that, and, and what, did, what did you guys do with that that sounded so cool?
1: Well, and that particular workshop had a lot to do with the language. It started with the kinds of language we use, um, so and um, that workshop's going to be offered for, um, over and over again because it 's so powerful and you know in some ways we some of the mechanical we can maybe just stop using the word "but" and just replace it with the word "and." Um, there was so much more to that though, because there are kinds of things when, when it comes to relationships, language is essential for navigating things. Um, without trying to cancel out the qualities of the other person or maybe even cancel out characteristics of the relationship that are there because we have our own personal needs. And by changing the way we use language to serve our own needs, we end up serving the relationship and serving the other person in the relationship much better. So that entire – and that goes back to my premise that relationships are in many ways the essence of of our experience. I believe we're here to learn and to teach it doesn't mean much if we don't have relationships to attach to those things
0: so how can if people wanted to participate in that workshop going forward brian how do they get a hold of you
1: um well i would say everybody if they would just go to million dollar uh, i have a button there for uh joining million dollar feeling the facebook community so that they can just be part of the positive living experience and um <clears throat> and there's we have, we, we have all kinds of interesting things that we do there. We create thought experience questions. We post positivity. We learn to, um, to share information between um, each of the members. That can be very, very uplifting. And even when somebody shows up with a little bit of a, of a, a, a more dark energy, maybe I will say, can all uh, be part of that person's uh, journey to getting to a positive, well-lit place in their experience.
0: Well, with all the positive vibes going out there, though, it, I, I've been in some groups where the negativity starts to take over. Are, are there ways that you guys turn that around? Are there moderators that will turn that around and put the positive spin on? Otherwise, you all just you know go down the rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, um, it's it will be curated, you know, and there will be moderation to make sure that we're looking at what we can do to lift things up. So, we have some initial rules no politics, no sales posting, um, you know, no uh, badgering other members. It's all about what we can do to support each other. And, and finally, it's a private group. So, if somebody's not really cooperating, we, might, we just may have to do what we would prefer not to do, but we may just have to say it's not a fit and ask them to leave.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we want to put ourselves around people that are going to make us fee- uplifted. Uh, they're going to right. uplift us, and we're going to uplift them. Uh, and that's, that's the most important part. Now, I see that you are an author, Brian. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about what you've written?
1: Well, I've been, um, for, been involved in several books or fundraising efforts for um, like a, a school that I support in Haiti and uh, other projects like that. And so I was just a chapter author in those, and I'm currently in the process It's a real juggle right now, but I'm really working on three books at once that are so interlinked that although they may not all be published at the same time, once I'm working on a specific thought, I go, oh, this is better served in this book. And so I'm really almost uh, pulling all my hair out. I have um, thinning hair as it is, but I'm almost pulling out all of my hair in order for me to uh, do everything I do during the course of my, my experience and put these three books together at the same time. So those three books will be much more telling about what I talk about during the course of what we did here today and also on my radio show and things like that.
0: Do you have a process for writing? Um, uh,
1: I, or not? I, I, I do, and, I, and I'm, I'll put it out there for the audience, and that is, is that uh, there's two kinds of writing that I have, I'm aware of that happen in my experience, and one is, is when I start putting it in my head. And when I'm putting it in my head, I end up becoming very wordy and um, kind of masked, you know, kind of like putting up like this expertise aspect to, to who I am, and which isn't really serving anybody. So the other part of the, the writing experience I have is to kind of like put it in my gut, put it someplace between my heart and my gutter, in that area, just pretend that the story's coming from there. And it actually is very powerful what you get. You actually get these kinds of downloads that you wouldn't get when you're all doing it in your head. And, um, and what's really very interesting, though, is, is that I've um, had chapters where I saw I was writing it in my head and ended up like a load of sorts and then rewritten an entire chapter. So
0: Are you, are you uh, actually typing it out? Or are you speaking it out? How, how do you do that?
1: I've been typing it because I find um, I tend to talk a little fast and the, word, the verbal processing system, the audio processing systems, mm-hmm. end up chopping up stuff. It doesn't even look recognizable, so I stopped using them. I could, in my particular case, uh, perhaps I tend to not only just talk fast, I may talk a little bit more loosely. And the word recognition technology just can't process my stuff properly.
0: Well, the important the important part of it, though, is getting it out. And, I, and we've encouraged and, you know, in SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, the women that we deal with and the men, too. But I've always told them, it, you've got to get your story out. To be able to to release yourself from that emotional part of the story, you have to write it out. And and right. just get it out. Don't be a critic. Don't be an editor. Just, I mean, do you do that, too? Do you sit down and start editing your stuff, or do you just try to get it out and then look at it later on?
1: Well, the first thing is just lean in. Uh, don't um, don't overmanage it, like you suggested there. Um, just um, I, I call it releasing your story. Mm-hmm. Just release the story. Release what it is. And I and I do and I do a lot of um, business coaching with this, this this model here, where you take people who are either owners of businesses or maybe they're solopreneurs, whatever the case may be, and they're really challenged with reaching their audience because they still haven't been able to release their authentic story. So we spend time with them <clears throat> to help them uh, understand what their their authentic story is and how to share that story so that it connects or resonates with the people they need to reach and if, make them very effective with their platform as opposed to kind of just... Um, uh, navigating based on what the wind is for us. We now have a sailboat where we can fill the sails and go to where we need to go. And, the, and in many ways, I think the authentic story as a fully-fashioned sailboat rather than bobbing on the ocean.
0: Well, that's true. It's very, but you've got to have a power motor there, too, in case the wind dies. So right. that's right. when it's nice to have a buddy or a, you know, a publisher or a friend I've got... Um, Peggy Hansen is on the line. Peggy Lee is is working with me on an audible book of my book. And it's Mm -hmm. always kind of fun to have someone else not tell your story, but listen to it and and kind of say, well, remember when this happened, you know, to kind of be a prompter. Um, Has your daughter ever done that for you? Has she prompted you to change in different ways? Or how is it being a dad? You put down here that one of your favorite Uh, roles in
1: being a father. Uh, Yeah. My journey to where I am today has very much my daughter's part of that story because I we adopted her. She's a beautiful, amazing, uh, wonderful kid, and I would you know I would challenge everybody to make sure that they see their kids that way and just understand my kids still better than theirs. I'm just joking, of course, but yeah, that's how <laughs> that's how influential and powerful she's been, um, and in many ways been kind of an interesting anchor for my transformation. Because the first time I was, part of my journey was because my childhood had been so rocky, I never wanted to be a parent because I saw parenting as a cyclical thing. What was done to you, you did to yours. Um, And um, I did not want to imprint, imprint my childhood on any children. So I was breaking the cycle, as I would call it. And then when I married a woman who wanted children, I figured, oh, I'll just orbit. I'll just make the money and let her do the parenting and, and that kind of stuff. What, whatever reasoning I had, it didn't work out because when my daughter was first put in my arms at the, or, at the, at the government office near the orphanage where, in China where we um, first became a family, my entire universe turned inside out. I was no longer the center of the universe. And that was a very powerful... Uh, it was a short-term awareness in some ways, but it, that inversion of... Uh, of where the center was, um, was extremely important in terms of my personal development. And so she's, even though she may not have done anything verbally or anything like that, she was instrumentally involved in my becoming um, more inside focused than I ever was and learned to harmonize the outside version of me with the inside version of me rather than being all internal or all external. Uh, And I certainly wasn't all internal, I was the all external type of personality.
0: Well, I just got this shivers when you talked about taking her in your arms for the first time because we go back to hugs. You know, we go back to human touch, right. and and that, that changed her world too. You know, my husband and his, his first wife adopted two children, and, and he said the same thing you did about – not maybe wanting to be a parent and all this thing. And I'm like, you are such a great dad. You don't see it sometimes, but you are such a great dad. Well, I provided for the family. I'm like, yeah, well, that's part of it. But now, you know, look at it now. Come come across as, as an adult friend. You know, I'm sure your relationship with your daughter has changed. She's older. Um, how does she feel about you opening up more, like being part of WPN? Have you ex- told her about that? My kids would find if their dad had done that, they would have found that extraordinary. <laughs> Right. He
1: would. Well, first of all, I'd like to illustrate um, that I want my daughter growing up in a world that Women's Prosperity Network represents. So, And I discovered that in October of 2017, three years ago. And in fact, it's like three years ago, probably today, that, mm-hmm. that you and I probably first ran into mm-hmm. each other. Um, so um, the, um, the second part of this thing is this, her name is Mackenzie. She actually came to one of the business retreats I attended inside of Women's Prosperity Network. And actually, it was there to be a, a form of service to us while we were doing our, our retreat work. Um, and, um, and everybody fell in love with her because she is just that kind of energy. She's not vivacious in any sense. She's very unassuming in many ways about how she goes about, yet she just attracts positivity. She just herself is this energy of uh, contemplation and purpose, and even gives an ear to people. And she's no, she's not a drama person. Like some people get caught in the drama, she just completely above the fray of drama. To the point where people who are very dramatic um, see her as like a, a place to go talk because they're looking for somebody who's not in the drama sometimes, and they end up talking to her about it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, so... Well, what, what a what a joy! I, I have the same experience with my daughter, and it's really great to see the next generation of young women. You know that have, that are, they still have some insecurities. You know, they still want to rely on on dad and mom in some ways, but to see them come out of their own and I, Jenny had a comment one time when she called up and she was having some difficulty, and I go into my mom fix it mode, and she said, "Mom, I just want you to listen. I don't want you to fix it." <laughs> I'm like. Oh wow, that was that was hard for me. And my my husband laughs now. He he's like, you don't fix it, just listen. And sometimes we just need to do that. Absolutely,
1: um, you know. And um, sometimes people don't even need to tell the story. They just need to tell you what it is in the story that's that's going on, and that becomes where they can learn and release uh, the th- very thing
0: that they're focused on. Well, that's a challenge, but you know, I I love it when you when you, I I you know, I look at how I put it here, how how our true story can make us smile when we find we're losing our dreams, when we find we are experiencing loss and unhappiness, when we're not getting what we want out of life. Um, I love how you put that positive spin on things and how telling stories and bringing them out can can change our lives. And you want to be that positive change. You know, I love this million-dollar feeling. How would that come about? How would the million-dollar feeling come about?
1: Interestingly, I had a business partner, um, a partner in many ways at the time, and that name was something that was cultivated uh, based on the kinds of work that she was going to do. Um, And then I was there uh, in parallel with her doing my own thing, and then somehow or other, as the partnership didn't work out, uh, the name stayed with me because I'd already started the radio show,
0: mm.
1: and the name was on the radio show. So, um, and and that wasn't even particularly, that wasn't exactly the name I was going for. And now that I've been working with it and and own it, so to speak, it seems to be the perfect phrase because it's in some ways money and feelings and everything are energy. And even though it's not really about the money, when we talk about a million dollar feeling, um, <clears throat> it kind of gives people a chance to lean in and go, "What does that mean?" Because they can see the word "feeling," they see the million dollars, and in many ways, we're all looking for money, not knowing that money is really it should be a byproduct of the things that make us happy, not the, not a way to happiness. And uh, and so I've, the name was more of an accident for me and yet it's now very much part of who i am.
0: Well, i'm the poster child for the million dollar feeling. <laughs> <Because>
1: <laughs> you are. Indeed. I
0: I lost that million dollars, but you know what? It it changed me for the good because i always say that our last our last suit has no pockets. So, you can't take it with you, but it's it can change your life for good or bad depending on, you know, your mindset and how you look at it. Uh, it can be devastating. Um, but that's feeling. It's not the dollars. It's the feeling you get um, from having it or not having it um, that makes a difference. Because as I was talking to my kids the other day, I was saying, you know, there are a lot of unhappy, wealthy people in the world. And there are a lot of very happy people that have a penny to their name. Right. So So very often I
1: describe my work as helping people escape the prison of the things that they um, um, are attached to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a job that's just a paycheck. Sometimes it's a uh, you know, fear of something that's going on around them. Whatever it is that keeps them a prisoner, my job is to get them out of prison, get them to escape from um, the very uh, place that kind of keeps them in a stuck, solidly private state and get them into a place where they experience amazing relationships with everything, with money, with people, with career or business. Whatever those relationships are that are important to you or you think are important to you, the idea is for you to become authentic, which is – that's your escape mechanism. Become authentic in who you are, and you will end up with passion, clarity, and purpose that you can share, and people will latch on to that, and that's where your growth in relationships and money and career or business will take place.
0: That's perfect, Brian. So people, how can they listen to to your radio show?
1: Well, it's one of the pages at milliondollarfeeling.com. We offer them replay, and, and also every Saturday morning, and it's on that same page will be a pointer to the live broadcast on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And um, if they miss the show, within uh, usually by that evening, the show is up for replay anyway. So, um, And they're essentially like podcasts in the replay mode. So you could be on the treadmill or walking the dog or, you know, Uh, having a solitary moment over a cup of coffee. And and what we offer, our intention with every show is to put something on the table that we explore and in the last segment of the show give you some options for what maybe a solution would be or a direction we can go to just be better people, to be better um, servants to the development of humanity and ourselves.
0: Well, it's a fun show. I actually was a guest on it and uh, we had a great conversation so it thank was you great. for doing that, and I'm sure there are people that are listening to this that may want to reach out to you that you know would like to be a guest for some, whatever topic they have. I, you know, get in touch with Brian at, at uh, milliondollarfeeling.com. Uh, Brian, I so enjoy talking with you. I, I think you're just such a positive guy, and in spite of the things that have happened in your life, like all of us, you have really put a great spin on your story and getting out you know, how authenticity can make us happy. Vulnerability can make us happy if we channel it in the right place and don't let cool. us understand and it. And you know what?
1: The more your authentic story exists, the more vulnerable you can be because your story is, yours, is like this shield or protector around you. It's amazing how it works.
0: Well, and the story, like you said, that vulnerability draws people in, and they realize that, oh, my gosh, I'm not alone because I'm going through what she's going through or what he's going through. And that gives us strength, and that's that's terrific. So thank you so much, and thank you to our listeners for being here today. Um, We are dedicated here at Stand Up and Speak Up to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. We didn't talk a lot about the scamming today, but if any of you have been victim to fraud or scam, report it to anyscam.org or ic3.gov. Remember, please to join my to visit my website, thewomanbehindthesmile.com. We'll have replays of this show and there are replays of others, and they're just so encouraging to all of you. This episode has been sponsored by benfocomplete.com, a vitamin supplement that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles and numbness in their hands and feet, check out Benfotiamine at benfocomplete.com and use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, everybody, for being here. We really appreciate it. Go get that million-dollar feeling at milliondollarfeeling.com. Reach out to Brian. He's a great guy. I so enjoy our, our conversations and our friendship. And it's been a super three years, Brian. The time has flown. Thanks a bunch for being here.
1: Thank you.